What is grace? Grace is community. Grace is passion. Grace is for everyone. Today we begin our new series connecting the story of, of, and music of Les Mis with the Christian season of Lent. And Les Mis, if you don't know, is a story that takes place around the French Revolution of the early 1800s. And I must confess something right at the beginning. I traveled once to France many years ago, and while I was there, I was told by my traveling companion that in order to sound more French, you must pretend you have a mouth full of mashed potatoes. So I tried it, and I immediately nailed the French accent. I was very proud of myself. And as I attempted to try out my newfound accent, what also became immediately apparent was the amount of pity that I induced from the natives around me. Uh, my French is terrible, so when I butcher these names, no need to call me with the proper pronunciation. I am well aware I'm getting it all wrong. Uh, but the story of Les Mis is so compelling, I want to forge ahead with sharing the stories and themes that connect for us in this Lenten season anyway. Each week we plan to have a song from the musical performed by someone from our church. We'll hear a short snippet of it here and invite you to listen to the whole thing after the service. This week we are going to hear the beautiful song, Bring Him Home, performed by Kevin, our music director. I'll share more context for the song later. For now... Let's give a listen. You can take, you can give, let him be, let him live. If I die, If you don't know the story, uh, this song will have even more meaning for you after the sermon. Our scripture for today comes from the Gospel of Luke and is a story that will be familiar to many of you. It's the story of the Good Samaritan and is Jesus' response to a lawyer who has clearly been listening to Jesus. He tells Jesus he knows he needs to love God and love his neighbor to inherit eternal life. The exact answer that Jesus has given earlier in the Gospels. But then the lawyer asks this follow-up question. This was recorded by Stephanie at home. I invite you here to hear now God's word from Luke 6, 29 to 37. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down for Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. 
But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and when I come back I will repay you with whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy, Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. And from Luke 6, Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. The word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Les Mis may not seem like a very good basis for a Lenten series. Lent, after all, is a very sacred time in many people's minds. And Les Mis is, is a musical, a secular musical about a thief. How could the two connect? But there is one scene early on in this musical that I think will help pave the way. The story is about a man named Jean Valjean, and it begins with him stealing a loaf of bread for a starving child. This one small act yet gets him sent to prison where he spends the next 19 years. When he is released, he is truly a hardened criminal. Even though he has a, a little money to pay for the food or a place to sleep, he is treated like an outcast. After having nowhere else to go, he turns to the priest in the local church. I was actually in a seminary class when I first saw this scene, having never seen the musical before or heard of the story. It is a powerful moment as Jean Valjean is welcomed with open arms, given food and a safe place to sleep. This, to many of us, looks the way the church ought to look, doing good things for those in need. But the story goes uh, one step further. Jean Valjean wakes in the middle of the night and decides to steal the valuable silverware of the church. It is not long before Valjean is captured by the local police who beat him up and drag him back to the priest. This is where a good story becomes great. The priest has every right to be angry, to prosecute Valjean as the thief and criminal he is, sending him back to prison, perhaps for the rest of his life. But the priest does something very different. Instead of saying what was absolutely true, yes, this man has stolen my silverware, take him to jail, the priest says something very different. He says, Valjean has spoken the truth. I gave him this silverware, but he has forgotten the most valuable thing I gave him, these candlesticks. He hands the silver candlesticks to Valjean and says, release him at once. Now, none of this is true. The priest has lied, and after the police leave, he tells Valjean, you no longer belong to me. With this silver, I bought your soul. I have ransomed you from fear and hate, and now I give you back to God. If that is not the inexplicable grace of God at work, I don't know what is. Valjean is left somewhat tortured by this act of the priest. He has to decide whether he will become a good man or not, whether he will be good to others after all he has suffered. He knows this is not fair. He has suffered unjustly. But the gift from the priest is also not right. He did not deserve what he stole. 
But he makes the choice to do good, to bless others, and to use the gift he has to make the world a better place. As we consider the season of Lent, the next six weeks leading up to Easter, it is a time we usually think of as a time to abstain. A time to stay away from bad things. Matt Rawl calls this the thou shalt not life. Uh, We had a a Shrove Tuesday pancake devotional this past week, and I asked the group about any spiritual disciplines they might be thinking about for the season of Lent, and Roger chimed in right away. He said, I'm staying away from chocolate. And I know that sounds like a death sentence for some of you, but that's a great example of the thou shalt not life. Don't eat chocolate. Stay away because you might overindulge. It's not healthy. It distracts you from better food options. It makes you curse when you eat it. Whatever the reason, no chocolate for six weeks, right? And though that's a perfectly fine thing to do, abstaining from unhealthy things or sinful behavior is not actually the goal of Lent. The goal is to practice and experiment with a way of life that points toward the kingdom of God. It's showing grace to other humans so this world looks more like heaven. We see that in the priest's gift to Valjean. He acts as though Valjean is his equal in every way, worthy of a second chance and worthy of an opportunity to prove himself. Are you willing to practice that kind of life for Lent? You might discover a whole new way of being in this world that changes your world for the better and permanently. I think of how Lent is a time to remind us of what being the church is supposed to look like. If we don't show grace to others, who will? It seems to me we are often stuck, though, on the results of our actions. We do a good work not because it's good, but because we want someone to acknowledge our goodness. We want someone to tell us we're angels sent from heaven for them. There's a story my dad told me once that has stuck with me for years now. Uh, He said when he was a young man, he noticed a homeless woman, and he decided right then and there that he was going to help this woman. Now, this struck me as strange because my dad isn't very impulsive, and I wouldn't exactly say compassion is a strength of his. His gifts lie in other areas. Uh, But he said how he paid for her to have an apartment and then went to the grocery store for her and bought her groceries so, so she would have everything that she needed. The next day, though, when he went to check in on her, she was gone. She was right back out on the street with her shopping cart full of her belongings. I remember my dad telling me how he never got a thank you, never got any acknowledgement for what he had done, and that in the end, she didn't even want what he had so graciously given to her. Of course, there's a lot more going on in this story, but my dad has never helped a person like that again. It can really hurt to help and be flat out rejected like that. And it feels like that rejection, that ineffectiveness, is a clear sign from God that we are doing it wrong. But I think that stems from too much focus on the results. The goal is not to get people to see how good we are. We do good for the sake of goodness. But we also do it for a much bigger reason, too. Valjean begins to learn this lesson after he reforms his life. He has taken on a fake name, Madeleine, uh, become a rich factory owner, and is even elected mayor of his city. But when he finds out that another man has been captured and will go on trial for his crimes, the crimes of Valjean, 
he struggles with what to do. If he confesses, he will lose everything he has worked for. If he does nothing, an innocent man will go to jail for his crimes. Either direction will certainly do some good, but it will harm too. In the end, he decides to go to the court and confess. His life will be made much harder, but it is a step toward not just being good, but being converted. We actually see something very similar play out in the life of the Apostle Paul, and I think this is the goal for us. He's the person that wrote most of the New Testament, and early on in the book of Acts, he is a Jewish rabbi relentlessly pursuing Christians, trying to stop them from spreading what he sees as lies about a false prophet named Jesus, sometimes even killing them for it. He is truly an enemy of Christians. On his way to a city named Damascus, he's knocked off his horse and is completely blinded. He hears a voice say, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Get up, enter the city, and you will be told what to do. He can't see anything for three days. I'm certain he felt convicted for what he had done after hearing the voice of God, that he was wrongly persecuting God's people. I'm sure by that point, Paul wanted to do good, But God doesn't invite him to just do good. He invites him to, again, conversion, to fully renouncing his former life and to live to be a blessing to the world. Some would say Paul's conversion didn't come until he met Ananias, a Christian prophet from Damascus, who lays hands on him and heals his eyes. This is the sworn enemy of Paul doing good to him. Ananias is helping the man who had been on his way to catch and murder his friends, maybe even murder him. Other Christians naturally distrusted Paul. I bet they were still worried this was some kind of trap, that Paul was finding out who all the Christians were so he could put them all in jail later. But Paul hasn't just been convicted by his blinding light and voice from heaven. He is a new man. He is living a radically new life, helping people to know Jesus, convincing and converting them to the way of Christ. Paul and Valjean have both experienced not just conviction, Paul when he's blinded, Valjean when the priest gives him the silverware, they have experienced grace that is leading them to a brand new life. I bet you've gone through a dramatic change like this, a world-altering event, For Emily and I, it was when our first child was born, and we went from living for ourselves to living for our family. Maybe it was when someone had every right to condemn you for something you did wrong, and instead they chose forgiveness. Maybe you opened up the Bible late one night, and everything you understood about religion changed forever. These are examples of conviction that change our view of the world, but conversion is when we ourselves start living differently in response to that conviction. Our assumptions about the world are challenged, and the Holy Spirit leads us to a new way of life. Then God moves again, and our life changes again, and again and again. Conviction and conversion is a beautiful, never-ending dance with the divine. 
There's no real roadmap for what to do with these convictions and conversions. The Apostle Paul went, went to Jerusalem to spend time with the disciples. Then he went to his hometown and studied for probably at least a decade before he had a, a sense of what to do with his conversion. Noah was on the ark for 40 days and nights just waiting out the rain. Then another 40 days before it was safe to go out and to worship God. Israel wandered the desert for 40 years before they were ready to trust God and enter the promised land. These are all stories that remind us that a season like Lent isn't always clear-cut about what the results ought to be, but certainly it ought to be more than just sitting around waiting for it to be over. I think especially of the pandemic. This has gone on much longer than many of us could have imagined. And certainly it is a challenging season. But what have you done with this unique season in your life? Are you ignoring it and acting as if all is well? Are you just trying to wait it out? Or are you seeing what this season offers and letting it grow you and mature you? Even when the very worst happens and loved ones are sick or die, even tragically, the life and death of Jesus reminds us that God has the final victory, that death is not the end because there is more to us than just our mortal bodies. When you are convicted by these realities, you can begin to live differently, live above the fray as you trust Jesus no matter what comes your way. There are certainly more we could explore on this point and even about the grace received by Valjean. But let's end with a song we heard by Kevin, Bring, Bring Him Home. The song is about Valjean looking down on his adopted daughter's love interest, Marius. Now, Valjean does not like Marius. He feels threatened by him because his adopted daughter is the only anchor in his life. But when Valjean discovers Marius is part of a rebellion in the city and in grave danger, he goes to rescue Marius. The city police have surrounded Marius and his group of rebels. Valjean has snuck past the barricade, but all hope seems lost when the police attack. This is right around where you hear the song, Bring Him Home, in the musical. Valjean is conflicted. He does not want to help his enemy Marius. But he chooses what is good, to even give up his own life for the sake of this man and his daughter. Marius is soon wounded, and it looks as though no one will escape alive. As Valjean considers what to do next, he manages to escape with Marius into the sewer underneath the battle. The sewers represent a kind of hell for Valjean. You get the sense that Valjean carrying Marius is like Jesus carrying the cross to his own execution. Valjean is going deeper into the darkness for someone else, even for his enemy. The wastewater gets so high, he is on the verge of drowning in the filth. But finally, it gives way and he is able to escape, still carrying Marius alive. Sometimes life is very dark. Sometimes life can feel unbearable. But Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection reminds us we are in the arms of a loving God 
Valjean is an example of loving even our enemy. When we love our neighbor as the good Samaritan did, whether he is friend or foe, we move the world closer to being the kingdom of God. We are following in the footsteps of Jesus, loving all we meet, that all might know God's love. This is the goal of Lent, that we are convicted, that we are converted, and that we live in a new way. Amen? Amen. For everything happening at Grace, check out our website at gumc.org.